Hey, good morning, Life Church. Good afternoon. Whenever you're watching this, uh, I'm so glad to be with you. My name is Alex Rahill, and I get to share the Word of God today. I get to share a message with you about something that is uh, absolutely critical for your life. In fact, I would argue that you will not, you don't have a life if you don't have this. And that's mission. It's mission. And we're going to look at three signs of a life on mission today. But before we do, I want you just to think about what's your favorite epic story or adventure movie that you've ever seen. Maybe it was Star Wars and um, Luke Skywalker uh, uh, helping to uh, rescue Princess Leia and then together them saving uh, the galaxy from the destruction of all of the uh, negative forces, Darth Vader and the whole crew. Or maybe it was Lord of the Rings and, uh, and you loved Lord of the Rings. Maybe it's a real life story because there's so many real life stories about people on mission, uh, saving other people, saving Private Ryan, a powerful movie. But I want to share a movie today that's all about mission and um, it might seem uh, uh, strange, but it is an old movie. So I'm seasoned, I'm mature, I'm a little riper than many people, but The Blues Brothers was uh, a movie that uh, was a number one hit. Uh, decades ago and it had this lasting appeal and you have to say why was that well it's about these two brothers Jake and Elwood um, and they grew up they got in trouble they ended up in prison they got out of prison and uh, and they were confronted by one of the sisters who was a teacher at their Catholic school and the school is gonna have to close and and um, and they realized in that moment that God had given them a mission. And so one of the most quoted lines from that movie is, we're on a mission from God. <laughs> and it's, I'm not telling you to go watch this movie, by the way, but it's got a great soundtrack and uh, some, some great music. But um, the appeal of this movie is that these guys who were, had screwed up their lives and uh, uh, were so uh, ill-equipped to do anything that we would say would be a mission for God was that these regular guys who'd made a lot of mistakes, committed crimes, screwed up, were being invited to do God's work. And they the wholeheartedly went after this mission to save the school, to save uh, this legacy, the school they went to. And the truth is that we all want to be on mission. We were made for that. It's how you were wired. It's in your very DNA. So again, what was your favorite movie or adventure or story as a child or a teen? Or what's a modern day story that you um, uh, love about someone who's changing the world and going against all the odds in order to do something significant? And the reason we love these movies is they always involve world-saving mission. And... Um, Every six-year-old understands this before our culture and our world crushes it out of them. Kids grow up and they go, I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. I want to do something. To, I'm going to save the world. I, I, kids are getting dressed up. And our, my kids were in their Lord of the Rings costumes or Star Wars costumes. Buzz Lightyear, same thing, uh, Toy Story. And they're going to save the world. And this is so energizing and produces so much joy. And that's something we need to see that God created you and I for mission. And uh, when we are in it, it, it produces joy. So when's the last time you felt like you were doing involved something really significant? 
You were doing something that was good and important, uh, significant, uh, meaningful, uh, had impact. Let me ask you this. What purpose are you living for that's bigger than your security and your comfort? Uh, and I ask myself that question right now. What Am I doing anything beyond just trying to be comfortable? Because that becomes many people's shadow goal uh, rather than the real purpose they were meant to live for in their life. And if you go back to Genesis 1, and I'd encourage you to read, we're going to look at two, uh, I'm not going to read from that today. We're going to be looking at John 17. But Genesis 1, from the very beginning, John, uh, Genesis 1, 27 says, you and I were made in the very image of God. We are meant to be like him in our character, in our love, in our desire to see the world made right. And in the next verse, Genesis 1, 28 God gives the first mission, commission, mandate. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And it goes on. And the whole point is that we were meant to be uh, co-laborers with God in his work of making this world beautiful and unleashing his creativity and goodness in the world. And, uh, and so we call that the imago dei, the image of God. And you were made in the image of God. And Flowing from the Imago Dei is the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And who we are and what we're meant to do are not separate things. They're meant to be integrated. And uh, we're going to see that as we move forward through our, our passage. And as we follow Jesus, the Son of God, and join him, we follow Jesus in mission. And so what was Jesus' mission? Mission is a, a, a word. It comes from Scripture. Uh, and it actually comes from the Latin translation of Scripture. And so when, every time it says sent, that's missio. And it's the same word as apostol, uh, apostolos. Uh, and we get the word apostle, a sent one. And a, missi, a missio comes from the word missive. And that means uh, like a, a letter used to be called a missive. And it means to be sent with intent. You're sending something for a purpose. You're sending a message because it's uh, it has a purpose to get to that person. Or you're sending a person to do a work and they have a purpose. They have a work to do. And so Jesus was sent by the Father to what? Show what God is like. Reflect his character. And to share the good news of the kingdom and, and advance it. And to save broken people made whole and help broken people be made whole and sinful people be made holy. Jesus was on a mission and you and I were made for a mission. Here's a great memory verse I want to encourage you to look at that condenses down this everything I've just said into one verse. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's masterpiece. Poema. You are God's handmade creation. You are God's song. And you're continuing to be written and unfold as a, as a song, as a story, as a, as a masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, the image of God being reformed uh, in us. So we're, we're living into this image of God as we're made new in Jesus. We're, we're manifesting the masterpiece we're made to be. Why? So we can do the things he planned for us long ago, the Missio Day. And so here we are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. And you're meant to do the mission of God. And if these things are not happening in your life, you are not flourishing. You are not experiencing the life of God. You are, are maybe feeling uh, confused, distracted, uh, and, and unsure about where to go. 
because you and I were made to live a life of purpose. And uh, so let me ask you this question. This is what we're going to focus on this morning is, are you on mission with Jesus? And you're like, I'm not sure. So what I want you to ask is, how could you even know if you were on mission with Jesus? Like you're like, I think I am, or maybe I am. But how could you know? How would you know? And in John 17, this is Jesus' prayer for uh, his disciples and for us. Uh, it's the last, it, Jesus is going to the cross. This is, he prays this prayer and it's packed with truth about who God is and what his purposes are, who we are and where we fit into those purposes. And so as Jesus is looking toward heaven in John 17, he prays to his father and his, his disciples are around. Father, the hour has come. The Kairos moment. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority that he might give what eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. We are made to know God. He wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to be mindful of his presence. He, he wants to pour his spirit out on us and renew us. That they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have, what's that word say? Sent. Sent. Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Missio. Uh, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Sent what? To do the work. And so the Son, in the image of the Father, sent to do the work God created him to do. And so that's what God did. He sent his Son to do a work. And if you read the rest of John 17, you're going to say, oh, well, what does Jesus do? Well, what is he sent to do? What's the work? He's sent to show the Father. What's the Father like? It's, he says, I have revealed you further in the chapter. And so he's showing that. Uh, he shares the life-saving word. So he's, he shows the Father's character. He shares the life-saving word of what does it mean for us to know God and, and follow him. And he saves. He says, I am coming to you. Why? Because he was going to the cross and he was returning to his Father. And he saves us through his death on the cross. And Jesus, uh, and so when we follow Jesus, we're doing those, some of those same things. The Son brings uh, his followers into that world-saving mission as well, you and I. And so now Jesus is going to share three facets of what does a, a life on mission look like? Three signs of a life on mission. And we can just discern, are we really on mission with God? Or how tightly connected am I with Jesus and the, what he created me for or not? So the first characteristic of a life on mission is this. The mission's fruit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those things should be manifesting in our life. And when we are connected to God and connected to his mission, we experience joy. Look at what Jesus says about this. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things. And I wrote this in parentheses so you can kind of see. But what things is he, what, uh, he, um, what did he say? All the things we've been discussing so far. The mission of bringing people to Jesus, of hurting people being helped, of the rule and reign of God advancing, where the, Jesus is advancing God's kingdom. I have, uh, but I say these things while I am still in the world. Why? So that my followers may have the, what, full measure of what? My, my boredom. So that my followers may have the full measure 
of indulgence or my followers may have the full measure of distraction. No, that they may have the full measure of my joy. Joy. And joy is um, this uh, deep reality of, of satisfaction and, um, and gladness in the presence of God. The smile of God on your life. You experience joy when you experience someone whose eyes light up and smile at you. There's a, this connection that happens. And we experience God's joy as we know his presence and, uh, and we uh, experience his gladness to be with us. God is happy you're alive. And when we're abiding in Christ close to him and we're walking with God, there's a joy that comes in, the, in spite of all the other things that may be happening because joy is not happiness. It's not circumstantial. We may be going through hard times, but we can still have joy with God. And so mission and joy are inseparably linked. Let me say that again. If you don't have joy, it's very likely that you're not on God's mission with him. Because um, Jesus said, as my disciples go and do this work, they're going to have the full measure of my joy with them. And so God wired us to experience joy. And sometimes we wonder, we've lost that in the church. And we need to reclaim what it means to be a people who are filled with the joy of God in spite of our circumstances. And that joy comes from us walking with Jesus and being on mission with him and living for uh, the purpose he created us for, a bigger purpose. So I want to show you a verse that illustrates this a little bit more deeply. The Bible says this in, in Hebrews, that the father shared his heart to redeem this world with the son. He had this mission of saving us, of all humanity being brought back because sin broke uh, our relationship with God. And Jesus died for our sin and brings us back to God. And, um, and he asked the son about this mission. Will you take on the sin and brokenness of this world to the point where it crushes you and kills you? Will you go on this mission, the father says to Jesus, out of love for uh, Dustin, and Alex, and Samantha, and Dom, and all these others who have been made in my image. And Jesus says, yes. Why? Well, let's read. He's, it says in Hebrews 12, 2, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. Think about that. For the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? Why would he go to the cross and suffer all these things? He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, what was the joy set before him? You were. He said, I so love Dustin. I so love uh, Samantha. I so love Julie that I want them brought back home. And I, I, I just have so much joy in being with them. I want to see them reconciled to the Father. I want to be with them forever. And that joy uh, gave me, empowered me that uh, I, I suffered and endured the cross. And so this is where we see suffering and joy can be in the same place in our, because joy kind of overrides all the other, other emotions. It can be present with other emotions, sadness and suffering. And... Um, and so I had a friend at Life Church in the early days, and um, he was making uh, big financial sacrifices and to help this church start. And he was building things for our church plant, and he was inviting people to small group in a church, and he was serving in ways that pulled him out of his comfort zone. 
And, um, and yet I remember him saying, he said, uh, I feel like I've got a third lung. He said, I've never felt this much joy, even as I'm doing all these hard things in my life. And, uh, but I watched him get sidetracked over time. Uh, and I won't give a list of things I can't mention, but all the busyness of life. And as Jesus said, all the worries of our life and, and taking kids to soccer games or hockey and, and slowly kind of uh, floating away from that core commitment he had to Jesus and his mission. And they pulled him away and he, he kind of pulled away uh, over time. And he stopped being as serving and on a mission little by little. And when the mission left, his joy left too. We are meant to be people on mission and people for joy because you and I can't follow Jesus and not follow him on mission. The second sign of a life on mission is this. It's the mission's power. And where does the power come from? So we, we, when we're on mission with Jesus, we have joy. And when we're on mission with Jesus, we have power. And that power comes through a life-changing relationship with God. It comes from a life-changing encounter with God. We're meant to be in this relationship. And Jesus would say this in John 15, a couple chapters prior to what we're reading. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And when you're connected to me, you're going to have the life, my life in you. You're going to have my power. You're going to have my energy. And um, Jesus says this in John 17. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is this, not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And the evil one wants to pull us away from God. And we use all kinds of distraction and trouble and tribulation to get our eyes uh, off of God in following Jesus. They are not of the world, my disciples, even as I am not of it, because they have a heavenly home. They have a, they're part of the eternal kingdom. Now, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so this is that life-saving word, right? And then he says this, as you sent me, as you missio me, Father, into the world, I have sent them into the world. So Jesus, deeply connected to his father, is, is now sent on mission. But the power for that mission comes from that life-changing connection with his father. He's so deeply connected to his father that he has the power he needs to do the work God's called him to do. And here, the son's power comes from the father, and our power comes from our connection to the son. That's why Jesus said again in John 15, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. The power to produce this fruit comes from our connection to Jesus, the connection to the vine. And the power of mission will always flow from a life-changing encounter with God. Now, this is, happens throughout Scripture. We see this, but I want to just show uh, uh, one, one example with Isaiah. This guy was a prophet in the Old Testament. And maybe like you today, right? Isaiah went to church and the last person he expected to meet there was God. But guess what? <laughs> God was there and he meets him. And, and, he meet, and this is all happening at a very difficult time in Isaiah's life. And you maybe are going through a difficult time right now, a time of desolation or depression. Isaiah meets God in this moment in a time of desolation and depression in his life. In the year that King Uzziah died, and when King Uzziah died, it just looked like um, the people of Israel were going to all go sideways, all get lost. 
and um, uh, go, and uh, and he was deeply connected to to King Uzziah. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So uh, Isaiah has this deep encounter with God, and um and and what does that produce? It says, "Woe to me!" I cried. I, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. It's awesome. And when we come in contact with God, suddenly we see ourselves uh, in a truer way than ever before. And this may be counterintuitive. You're like, oh, I thought this was all about mission and joy and yeah, but guess what? There's a cleansing. There's a, there's a transforming that happens. There's a power that's unleashed from God. And that power enables us to do mission, but it's also a power that purifies us. So suddenly Isaiah says, I'm unclean. I see things in my life I, do, I didn't see before I saw God. But our uncleanness becomes, becomes evident. Our sinfulness bubbles up and suddenly we're aware of things and uh, we see our sinfulness in a new way. Uh, I worked for many years at Bear Lake Bible Camp, and uh, my, uh, we were on staff there. And uh, I was working in the, uh, on the ropes course and doing some stuff out in the woods. And I was nasty. I was sweaty. My sh- yeah, I was uh, dirty, but I didn't think about any of that. I, I, I came in, and I went into the back of the dining hall, and uh, I, was gonna, I was grabbing something. And I walked into um, uh, the uh, main dining room area, and there was a wedding there. <laughs> And all these people are dressed and they're, they look good and, and, and there's nice tables we're all set. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was going on today. And, but the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, these people look good. They smell nice. They're dressed nice. And I, I look down, I'm like, I'm nasty. I got dirt on me. My shirt's ripped. I smell. And suddenly all that became, I became aware of that because I was in the presence of other I was in the presence of clean people who smelled good. And um, this is what happens to Isaiah. He's suddenly in the presence of God. And all of a sudden he goes, woe to me. I'm just realizing I have so much uh, brokenness and, and, and uh, uncleanness. I have some sinfulness in my life. I need God. to. I don't know how I can even dwell in the presence of God. And um, he realizes, so he cries out. He says, and he confesses, I'm a sinful man. And look at what he says next. I'm, a, I'm unclean and in need of cleansing. It says, then one of the seraphim, one of the, uh, who, again, uh, angelic kind of beings. So then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. So this is burning altar of coals, uh, incense going up to God. And the seraphim takes this coal and with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your, your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for it means someone else took away your sin or atoned for it or made it right and um again this is a, 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 a image of what jesus is going to do he's going to atone for us right so this is awesome god's waiting for us to cry out hey i'm guilty i i'm sinful i'm unclean i need you to cleanse me lord and he's going to bring that purifying fire in your life and in my life and uh, he'll take away our sins. And we say, awesome. Isaiah has literally had a life-changing encounter with God right here. Now, what most people do, don't look at is they don't look at the next part of this. He's been forgiven. So what's the fruit or what, what's the result of this newfound connection with God, right? 
he's clean, he's connected to God. What's now what happens? And, and then he says, suddenly his ears are opened. The, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I missio? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Because God has a mission. And what does Isaiah say? Hinene, hinene, hinene. He says, here I am. That's what that word means in Hebrew. Here I am. Here I am. Send me. Send me. I love you. I'm so connected to you. I've got I, I, this life you have. And you, you want to redeem this world. You want to change this world. I'll go. I volunteer. Send me. And so the Lord said, go. And tell this people. And he sends Isaiah on a mission. Here's where I want you to put this together. As Isaiah has this personal encounter with God. He is empowered by God. He's cleansed by God. And he embraces the mission of God. And out of that life-changing encounter, Isaiah goes. And he doesn't go in his own strength. He goes with the power of God on the mission of God. And he changes the world at his time. He, he, people repent. People turn back. And some, many don't. But he does God's work. God sends him on a mission. A mission that the world desperately needs. If you pay attention in scripture, you're going to see this pattern happen over and over again. Abraham, I won't read it here, but the same thing. He has this encounter with God and God says, I'm going to bless you. And you're like, awesome. I have this encounter with God and he's going to bless me. I'm going to bless you. And I want you now, you're going to, to be a blessing to the world. And that's what mission is. That's what this mission is, is we've had this encounter with God. God's changed our lives. And out of that overflow of, of who, what he's done for us, we now go with him. We go on his mission. We're blessed to be a blessing. And um, we see that over and over again. Now, this is critically important. One of the signs that God has touched your life is that you now go in his power. And what does God give you the power to do? He gives you the power to reject passivity and um, to actively initiate engagement on Christ's behalf. What, is, what does it look like for you to do God's mission in your family? What does it look for you to, like for you to do God's mission in your workplace? You're like, well, you don't understand. I'm just, a, you know, I had a friend who was a realtor and, and, and a strong Christian. And uh, I said, how does your work align with God's mission? He goes, you know, I'm helping make the world a better place because I'm helping families get homes where they can live and be and, and have shelter and and raise their families and I see my my job as a mission of blessing families all around this community to have good homes and that perspective comes from understanding that your job wherever God has you is mission it's mission and, uh, and are you looking at your, your work through the lens of God's mission? But God also invites us into our neighborhoods. And what does it look like for us to be on God's mission in our neighborhoods? Do we know our neighbors' names? Are there ways that maybe God is saying, I want you to help out here. I want you to see this person. You, it's hard to see somebody you don't. Uh, you, and you go, how do I know if I'm seeing the person? Do you know their name? That's one of the most personal things about them. That's part of seeing them. What does it look like for you to be on God's mission with your coworkers uh, and in our church? And so our church, what does that mean? We're, we're, a, we're a mission outpost for God. That's what a church is. It's the family of God, deeply connected. We're personally connected to God, loving God. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
and we're personally connected to each other. We love one another. And that love manifests itself in mission through our church. And again, back to the fruit of the Spirit. You go, well, you're saying these things. When the Holy Spirit's active in your life, what does it say is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, and 23. Love. Do we really love God and love each other in a way where we're glad to be together? Joy. Do we have the joy of God, the gladness of God in our life? And do we have joy with others? Peace. Do you have peace? And these are all signs of our life with God and our life on mission. But this is really important because, you see, we think uh, we want God's power, or at least I do, to make my life more easy and comfortable. I, I pray for things. God, do this or that. But if you read the Bible, <laughs> it doesn't usually go that way. God, we have God's comfort and God's presence, but God gives us power not to make our life easier, but to do something that's hard or difficult um, or challenging because he wants to show that uh, our weakness, in our weakness, his power is manifest and, and the good work of God flows out of our lives. So God will give you and I the power to leave our remote controls and our uh, Netflix accounts behind. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying a show or, or looking at news feeds or your social media. But is that your, you know, we have this growing problem in our country. It's an addiction. Do you know your phone, the whole social media uh, uh, engagement is, is designed to make you addicted? I just had a friend who was telling me about his kid and he said, I was trying to kind of uh, limit their time on uh, social media to two hours. So I said, okay, you're two hours up. I took my phone away and my kids screamed like they were possessed. No, you can't give me that. You can't take that. Think about that. You know, it's like Gollum with the ring. Precious, mine, mine, mine. And, you know, we have these addictions in our life and we just have to confess it. <clears throat> and God, help me overcome it. Give me the power. And what does God begin to do? He, he, he says, don't give yourself to lesser things. These are distractions. And the enemy wants to use these to keep you out of my mission. God, God's power now compels us to pray. Pray for the people around you. Serve them. How can I serve them? What's something simple I can do? How can I listen to people and really they're, where they're seen and heard? And that's one of the biggest gifts you can give to somebody. How do you share your story with people about how God's changed your life and um, and met you in this place and and uh, and how you would love you hope that for that happens for them because God wants to make people whole and we'll look at our third point in a minute and holy and we'll talk about that so the mission leads us into a place of risk and uh, <clears throat> when we're empowered by God we're willing to be vulnerable and sacrificial in ways to do that mission. So what are the signs that God is empowering you? Um, well, maybe you're giving yourself away a lot. Maybe you're giving your resources away a lot and you're actually getting worried. That's a sign maybe God's working on your heart because you're like, this isn't for me. Uh, and I don't, I, you know, uh, but I know God wants me to do this. Or you're opening up your life in, in your home to others in ways that um, you never have before. What would it look like for you to do that? You're joining God in his mission in ways that scare you a little bit. And uh, you feel a little way over your head. Is that true of you? If it is, it's a sign you're on mission. And God will give you the power to do those things. And here's the last sign. So what happens? What are the signs that we're on mission with God? We have joy. And then we have power through our relationship with God. Deeply connected to God. And the third thing is the mission's key ingredient. And that's holiness. 
And this may seem counterintuitive, but I missed this for years. But read John 17. And I, I actually wondered if, you know, Jesus was just, you know, rambling or something like just kind of spraying it all over the place like a, 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 because of the way uh, he said this. And I thought, what does that have to do with what he was talking about? But the more I've looked at this, the more I, better I understand it. So notice what Jesus does in his prayer here in John 17. He says, sanctify them, which means to make them holy. And we'll talk about that uh, by the truth. So as we're exposed to God's truth, that purifies us as we as we receive that truth. Your word is truth. And am I receiving it and, and letting it saturate my life? Uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I read my Bible. I say, well, do you let your Bible read you? Where the Bible speaking in my life? As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now look what he says again. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. He's, he's hung up on this word sanctify. It means holy. The mission of God here, I sent them, you sent me, I sent them, is sandwiched between Jesus' fervent prayer that his followers be increasingly holy. And that means to be like him. It means to be different in a way that's good and in a way that is um, beautiful. And it means to be uh, set apart, categorically different because of their relationship to Jesus. And you see, it's interesting what Jesus doesn't send his disciples out with. He doesn't send them out with a marketing plan or a sermon series or radio ads or a manual on how to impact your community. No, they were God's letter. Let me say that again. You are intended to be God's letter. And your holiness means that who you are is is your witness. The mission is not just what we do, it's who we are. And as we are like Jesus, people see that and they are attracted to that. And it's a beautiful thing um, in our lives because we're becoming more like Christ. And Jesus' goal was, was that people would see our life and our love for God and one another and be drawn to the Father. And this is part of the mission, that we become increasingly holy. It's the key ingredient. And if you're here today and, and listening to this and you're like, I'm not sure about all this stuff. The reason may be that you're not sure about all this stuff because you've never truly met a holy person. And I'm sorry about that. Because that's one of the key ways you, you see God is through a transformed life. Not a perfect person, a holy person. Someone who's being changed by Jesus and acting more like him and looking more like their master. The world wants to see followers of Jesus who look more like him. So is your faith making you more like Jesus? Are you kinder or are you meaner? Um, that's a sign that we're into uh, uh, legalism and uh, some kind of religiosity, but not a faith in Jesus. Are we kinder? Do we have the sweetness and the courage of Jesus? Do you Are you thinking more with great clarity and wisdom about what God wants you to do. These are all signs you're becoming like him. Are you humble? Where you know you don't know it all and you're willing to ask questions rather than tell everybody what, what they, you think is right. Are you more loving? Are you serving people who are hurting around you? Do you see them? And are you and I truly caring for and listening to our neighbors? And uh, before you think I'm not that person, let me tell you about one of the people, who, the couple that was one of the most holy examples to me in my young life. Bob and Jerry Anderson. They were simple people. He worked in the auto industry and they had a son who was severely uh, or uh, cognitively impaired. 
And I remember thinking, how can these people be so happy? Uh, they had a very challenging life, but there was this light in their eyes. They had this joy about them. There was this affirmation in their smile. And they were people who were truly present. They, when you were with them, you knew they were glad to be with you and they really saw you. They radiated Christ. And through them, my mom came to Christ. And later, my dad. It changed the whole trajectory of my life because of these two simple people. Guess what they weren't? They weren't pastors. They never went to seminary. Uh, they, I don't think they were any kind of leadership team members or deacons in their church. They were just people who loved Jesus, who surrendered their life to him, and they changed my family. And they changed many families. Why? Because they were holy. And, and by holy, it's this earthy uh, likeness to Jesus. Let me contrast that with another person because I was sharing with somebody uh, uh, from another church uh, church and I said oh hey do you know uh John so-and-so uh and he said oh yeah I know him he talks trash about people all the time and actually nobody wants him on their team because he's a slacker he goes to your church and one of the, the those two images for me were an example because it's my life too right but our holiness or lack of it is being so clearly seen by the world and we're either drawing people to Jesus like Bob and Jerry or we're pushing people away, like the second story. So what are the ways God is trying to make you holy today? You say, how, well, I don't know, how does that happen? One is conviction. Your word is truth. As you and I are following Christ and we're letting his word dwell in our heart, you should be convicted about some things about your life and how God is trying to uh, transform you and he, how he wants to shape you. And if you're not, then that might be, a, you know, Something going on, you're, something's missing. Or where have you received correction recently? And you're like, oh, that person thinks they know this, this, this. But where's that kind of a kernel of truth that someone says and you're going, okay, I need to hear that. God, God's trying to help me grow here. And um, I've had that happen numerous times in my life. I was doing ministry when I was a young believer and I was so excited about God and kind of full of myself in the same time. And someone said, you know, you're doing such good work, but you're so arrogant. I said, what? Yeah, you just, it feels like you just think you know it all or you got, you know. And you know what? I, I, I said, okay, well, I walked away, but I, I remember thinking, you know what? God, God's putting his finger on my life. It's, I think it's about me and it's not. And uh, that was a, very formative conversation, even though I didn't like hearing it because it was true. And uh, God was trying to make me more like him, be more humble and uh, not so full of yourself. Hey, God created you and I for something bigger than a 401k and a nicer house and a better sports league and fun vacations. He created you for life changing mission. Jake and Elwood, they knew they were on a mission from God. And the funny thing is, here's these screwed up guys. and They're like, we're on a mission from God. And here's all these people who look like they got it all together. Are we on a mission from God? And if you are, let me ask you these questions. Are you on mission with God? You say, how do I know? Are you experiencing the joy that comes from being on God's mission with him? Are you experiencing the power that comes through this life-changing connection with Jesus? And are you experiencing the holiness of God as he purifies and transforms you? He created you and I for mission. And so here's my 
challenge for us, each of us, as we as we wrap up, because we're talking about breaking through the busy and what are the priorities. And the God's priority for you is that you know him, love him deeply. And if you do, then you're on his mission with him, helping others know and love him deeply. So I want to encourage you to take one real step of engagement and mission. Pray this prayer, and we're going to pray it at the end in just a minute. Where can I join you in your work, Father? God, where can I join you in your work? And then we say the words of Isaiah, Hinene, 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 here I am, send me. And pay, then pay attention to where God has strategically placed you. And maybe God's gonna, God will reveal to you where, where you need to go. So maybe it's in your neighborhood and you need to invite someone over for dinner or to get to know them. Or maybe it's to help someone in their workplace. Or maybe it's to serve in your school uh, with someone who's struggling, or maybe it's serving in the ministry of church. And that's part of it for all of us who are Christ followers. And then I want to encourage you to commit. If you've never felt compelled to join God's mission, it's probably because you've never had a life-changing encounter with him. Or you've fallen away from that. And today God wants you to meet him again, or meet him for the first time and know him. And the rest of this will flow out of that. So I want to invite you right now to pray and to say yes to God. Say yes to his mission. Maybe it's, and there's, maybe it's something at church, but uh, let's first start with a commitment and a surrender to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to surrender myself to you right now and to say, here I am. I, I need you in my life. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. Um, Lord, these, I don't have your joy. And I don't know if I have your power. I don't have a sense of your presence. and uh, I don't know that I'm becoming like you. I, uh, but Lord, I know and I believe it starts with me giving my life to you right now. So Lord Jesus, I receive forgiveness for sins. Thank you for dying for me, atoning for my sin. And I'm asking you to cleanse me, Lord, like you did Isaiah. I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I pray that your spirit would be active in my life. Holy Spirit, come. And bring your love and your joy and your peace. And Father, for the rest of us, I, uh, we just pray right now, Lord, where do you want me to join you in your work? And I want to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And Lord, uh, may we grab a hold of that and join you in your work, knowing that you will guide us and lead us one step at a time. And Lord, may we experience your joy and your power, and Lord, may we become more like you, Jesus, Mia, and be people who look different, look more like you, and draw people to you through not just what we do, but who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed with me, I want to invite you to uh, let someone know, put a comment in the chat, and reach out to one of our um, uh, members of our church, our pastors on staff, and we want to help you take your next steps. God bless. See you soon.